want to uh, share with you something today I feel is very, very important. Uh, and let me just say, as I begin today, let me speak to this church. Obviously, most of you are church folks here today, and I'm glad that you are here. Uh, I begin to examine my own heart and my own life, and I want to make sure that I desire the things God desires. I want to, His wants and His desires, I want to be my desires. And He said that uh, if I would seek His kingdom and love Him with all my heart, that He would give me the desires of my heart. Now, that don't mean He'd give me my way. It means that I would come into union with His ways. And He would give me the desires that I need. How many have realized in times past you hadn't desired what you really needed? I mean, you may still be dealing with... uh, Hello? You may still be dealing with some things that... uh, There may be some Ishmael's in your life because your desires got out of hand with the desires of God. And that can happen in all of us. But uh, I want the desires of the Lord. I want Him to guide me. I want to look into my heart and see if I really do want revival. As a pastor, I want to look at my life and see if I really do want... uh, uh, for us to physically uh, build a bigger complex and the Lord to fill that up. Because that means more work. I mean, it used to be easy to vacuum the church because the church was over there, it was 30 feet by about 60. That's pretty easy. You can vacuum that. But think about mopping this floor. Think about the next one. I mean, and as God sends revival and people's needs, uh, there are more people that God brings in the kingdom. That means there's more needs. More needs. I'm glad I'm in the kingdom of God, and I'm glad His kingdom, He wants it to prosper. He wants it to grow. Somebody say amen. Amen. And I want to grow with it. I want my mind to grow. I want my spirit to grow. I want, to, I want to envision what God has for this community. Somebody say amen. Amen. And so today I want to take your attention to the book of Matthew chapter 25. And uh, there's a, a beautiful parable there. Uh, in fact, as I was studying this parable, I began to look at all the parables in just the book of Matthew. And, and I began to uh, notice a symmetry and a, a, a progression of those parables. And I thought, you know... Uh, what a great study just to go through all the parables. But there's a bunch of them, uh, and one leads to another, and one builds upon another. So we're not going to take the time to do all of those. There's quite a few of them. But we're going we're gonna to look right almost uh, close, to the, well, close to the end of the parables of the book of Matthew, and we're going to find Matthew 25, 1, a parable that you're probably pretty familiar with. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Then, let's read it out loud. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Let's read it one more time. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. How many want to be ready? Amen. Let's pray one more time. Lord, thank you for your blessings and your goodness to us. Lord, the privilege we have to be here today to worship you in spirit and in truth. God, I pray you let your word, God, be like a sword, be like a lamp today to light our path. Touch every heart. In the name of Jesus, we ask it and we thank you for it. And everybody said in Jesus' name. God bless you. You can be seated today. It's so good to see Sister Shirley Moody over here and Brother Shannon over here. Where's he at? And Shannon's mom's with him. We're glad they're here today. We're glad they're here today. Uh, Everybody say then. Matthew 25 verse 1 starts with an important then. Everybody say then. When you see that word, that there's a connection there. If you begin Matthew chapter 25 and you see that word then, uh, it sparks an interest. You want to know what has happened that will bring you to this then. 
something has happened and then Jesus says, then shall the kingdom of heaven be like ten virgins. So something has happened and the Lord uh, then says, uh, after this has happened, then shall the kingdom of heaven be like ten virgins. If that's the case, then the closing verses of Matthew chapter 24 are very important. And the last few verses, because the Lord is saying, at a certain time, the kingdom will be like ten virgins, five wise, five foolish. I'd like to know when that then is. I wonder if it's happening now. So uh, when we get to that then in Matthew 25, 1, it connects us with Matthew 24. And when we're closing Matthew 24, the, the previous verses, and I won't read them all, but I just want to share the idea that's going on uh, when we get to Matthew 25, 1, that then. In the closing verses of Matthew 24, we find where Jesus states, learn the parable of the fig tree. That when the fig tree buds, you know that summer is nigh. You know that the time for figs is coming. And you know that the harvest is not long after that. The harvest is coming. Everybody say the harvest is coming. The Lord says when you see the fig tree bud, know that the end is near. Everybody say the end is near. Jesus says that. He says, he goes on to say, not only when you see the fig tree bud, we know uh, in, in a typology, the Lord is speaking of the nation of Israel and he says, when you see this fig tree bud, know that the end is near and know also that this generation shall not pass until all is fulfilled. Everybody say, all is fulfilled. The Lord is saying, know that there's, a, there's some things that are going to happen that let you know the end is near. They're also going to let you know that the generation that sees that happen will not pass until everything, all, everybody say all. Now, I don't know if I have to get in the Greek language to figure that out. <laughs> all is fulfilled. And then he states this going on in Matthew 24, and it's about the end. Everybody say the end. He said, no man knows the day nor the hour. And then he goes on to say, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be. And this statement is used, they knew not until the flood came. Everybody say they knew not. The Bible says then, Jesus says, two will be in the field. One will be taken and another left. Two shall be grinding at the mill. One shall be taken and another left. It's going to surprise some people. They're not going to know until it happens. And they're not even going to be aware it's even at the door. But the Lord said the end is near. At a certain time, certain things begin to happen. And when those things begin to happen, know that the end is near. Some will not be aware. They'll be grinding and there'll be others grinding that are taken. And the other is left. They know not. Jesus goes on to say in this thesis about being prepared he said watch 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 it's a word that's very important he said if the head of the house had known when the thief was coming he would have watched it means being prepared it means not going to sleep it means not being lazy it means staying on top of it all these words that that it means diligence it means faithfulness it means keep on keeping on it means you've run this race a long time but you're just about at the end don't give up now watch that's what watch means somebody say amen watch and then he states be ye also Ready. If the head of the house knew when the thief was coming, he would have been ready. Be ye also ready. Just like the head of the house needs to be ready. Blessed is the servant at the coming of the Lord who is so doing. So doing what? Watching. Ready. I want to be ready. Anybody here want to be ready today? Now the Bible says that the goodman of the house, if he would have known when the thief was coming. Now I believe the Lord is coming as a thief, but he's not coming for everybody as a thief. He's coming as a thief to those that don't know. But the Bible says it's an evil servant, closing Matthew 24, that says his Lord delays his coming. 
It's an evil servant who says, you know, I've, I've heard it all my life and I'm living for God and I'm just kind of tired. I think I don't know if the Lord's going to come in the next few months or the next year. I think I've got time to just take my foot off the gas a little bit. And the Lord said it's an evil servant that says that the Lord is not coming and the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looks not for him. I don't know about you, but I'm looking for the return of the Lord. I believe it's coming. He is coming soon. Somebody say amen. I want us to look again at Matthew 25 and verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven, and now we know what that then is about. Then at the end, at the end of this generation, when the fig trees budded and know that the end is nigh, and know that one shall be taken and another left and, and be watchful. Some people are going to be watchful. Some are not. Some are evil. They think the Lord's not, going to, not true to his word. But be faithful even unto the end. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins. At the coming of the Lord, just before the Lord comes back, the kingdom of heaven is likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. The kingdom of heaven is like ten virgins. Now this is what is going on in God's people or the church, if we want to say it so, or in the economy of God. These virgins are those who profess to be waiting, watching for the coming of the Son of Man. Notice the writer says they went out to meet the bridegroom. There was every intention for them to meet the bridegroom. They had started the race. They had separated themselves. They had oil in their lamps. Their every intention was to be ready and watchful. Can I get an amen? These virgins are those who profess to be waiting for the coming of the Son of Man. We have just seen the contrast between faithful people who are watching in Matthew 24 and wicked servants who say he's not coming and I live any old way I want to live. The Lord has already described that for us. One is anticipating the Lord's return. The other thinks he has plenty of time. But that's not the, the, the mark of delineation with these, these virgins. No, they're all anticipating the Lord's return. They're all watchful at a certain time. Somebody say amen. They took their lamps and they went forth to meet the bridegroom. Matthew 25 and 2 then states, And five of them were wise, and five of them were foolish. Isn't that about the way it goes? Half your kids are smart and half of them are foolish. Maybe not. If you got two, maybe you ought to start having some more. No. If you got one, I'm not sure uh, how that works. <laughs> maybe half of them's foolish and half of them smart. <laughs> Can I get a witness? Maybe half your life's foolish and half your life has been pretty wise. How do you divide all that? Well, the Bible says that then when this fig tree buds and be watchful, don't be like an evil servant and, and be, be anticipating the bridegroom, there were 10 virgins. Half of them were wise and half of them were foolish. Notice it does not say they were good and they were bad. It doesn't say five good virgins and five bad virgins. It says they were foolish and they were wise. Can I get an amen? Even in the foolish, there was a desire to meet the bridegroom. All of them went out to meet the bridegroom. Look at verses 3 and 4. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Somebody say amen. This was the dividing between the wise and the foolish. You've all heard this. You're saying, well, I, I know that. The, the five wise said they had oil and to spare. The five foolish took their lamps but took no oil. They had enough oil at the moment, but they didn't have any oil for the end time. And there's a lot of controversy over what this this exactly means five wise and five foolish. Five with oil and despair and five who in the process of time uh, run out of oil, run out of oil. Some say no oil means there's no faith. 
others say this means they had faith but no works. But uh, others say it represents those who are doing external things without inward life or fire, confessing with their lips, but their heart is unsurrendered. And, and we could go in a hundred directions about what that may mean, but I know this, whatever, the, it, it, whatever you decide those uh, two individuals or those two groups of people represent, one thing I do know, one of them represents what is merely outward, and that's the lamp. And the other part, the oil, represents what is inward and spiritual. That's what we've got. We've got the lamp, the vessel for the oil, and we've got the oil, which represents what is spiritual inside. And a lamp is useless without the oil. (laughs) And the oil has lost its purpose without the lamp. They both need each other. If you're going to have light, and I know now it's easy and now we just go flip a switch and hopefully if you pay the electric bill, the light will come on. But if you don't pay the electric bill, you might get back to what I'm talking about. (laughs) You might have to get a lamp and some oil and and oil uh, just laying around is useless unless it's got a lamp and a wick uh, for it to show its light and the lamp uh, loses its purpose. Maybe you set it on a shelf and look at it, but they both need each other. The oil needs the lamp and the lamp needs the oil. (laughs) Can I get a witness? Amen. We talk about the wise that had their their lamp and their oil and the foolish are described as having lamps but running out of one of the commodities and that's the oil. I want to have not only the oil, I want to have the lamp. (laughs) Amen. I don't want to just say I'm spiritual. I want it to show up in the light. I want to shine my light in this dark world. I believe that's a necessity. Well, it doesn't matter how you live. You know, you can, you can cuss like everybody else and do what everybody else does. No, the oil needs an expression, and that's in the lamp. That's in my life. And just as Jesus was the light of the world, he told us, I don't light a lamp and set it under a bushel. You are lit. Oh, praise God. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm lit this morning. You are lit. And the Lord said, you don't light a light to to put it under a bushel. You don't light a lamp to put a cover over it. No, you light a lamp to set it on a lampstand so that everybody can see where they're going and what they're doing. And that's what we have. The Lord came into your life so that you could be a light in a dark world. Clap your hands under the Lord if you believe that today. But just as... The lamp needs the oil, so the oil needs the lamp. And the purpose of this parable, we find Jesus saying it over and over. It's an example of what he's just told him in Matthew 24. Be watchful, be faithful. Everybody say faithful. We all have times where we feel like, well, I'm just tired of running the race. I'm just, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, is there, and if we're not careful, we, we have a little uh, high definition uh, attention deficit disorder. Uh, some people can't be faithful unless it's real exciting. Hello? Some people, it's just pretty mundane to to just go to church and go home and do what you're supposed to do and live for God and worship. No, we need something to inspire us. Nothing inspires us more than about every three or four months having another conference. You know, we got to get ready for this special. Nothing inspires this church like having Christmas dinner and 600 plus guests coming. We got volunteers out wherever the wazoo is. That crossed my mind. Then I thought, well, where's the wazoo? I might not better say it unless I know where the wazoo is. Maybe that's a city somewhere. I don't know. We got volunteers. We got folks running around here. And, you know, we got stuff to do. We get real motivated and excited. When all that's over, what do we do? (laughs) I can't come to church for a couple of weeks. Why? Because, you know, it's just church. We came through excitement. I I don't want to live my life that way. I want to be faithful even when it's just going to work and going home and coming to church. Come on, clap your hands under the Lord. 
I don't know, maybe I should have titled this sermon, How Many Ways Can You Mow Your Yard? I don't know how the rest of you are, but when I get to mowing, I kind of find the best way and stick with it. You know, you kind of figure it out and you time it and you, and you don't just kind of go this way and then turn and go that way. No, you go in lines and you put those lines and you figure out, well, it's better to go this way and it's better to go around this at this turn and, and you get it figured out. You don't keep trying to perfect. Every time you get out there, you, you pretty much are creatures of habit, but we lose focus when we get in the habit. And we need something exciting. To, but the Bible tells us as the Lord delays his coming, there's going to be a need for you to be vigilant. The opportunity for you to lose your focus is very real. And it's a real and present danger. But Jesus said, be vigilant. Watch. Don't get bored. Don't lose your focus. Oh, is anybody hearing what I'm saying today? Oh, come on, clap your hands under the Lord right now. Jesus, help us. It's, this is not a, a, this in no way is it a, a conflict between real people and hypocrites. The foolish virgins were not hypocrites. They, this is not about godly, ungodly. They're not openly ungodly. They are just negligent. Negligent in the things that would keep them ready. They're not out doing bad stuff. They're not hypocrites, nor, you know, are they, are they involved in some kind of ungodliness. They just lose their focus. Something distracts them. Something causes them to not continue to have enough oil in their lamp. Can you hear what I'm saying? Nor is it that they have no oil at all. In fact, they have some. They have some, but they don't have enough. I want enough. The lamp burns, you know, as well as I, until the oil is gone. And when the oil is gone, the lamp no longer burns. As long as there's oil, the lamp gives the light. I got to have enough. I want enough to make it to the end. <laughs> I said I want enough. I, you start thinking about preaching for 27 years. How many sermons are stuck in a file drawer? How many sermons are now on a hard drive? How, how, many, how many times if I preach certain texts, I don't want it to get boring to me personally. I don't want it to become, well, it's just here's another day. I want to have enough to, for the next Sunday. I want to have enough oil for, uh, for his return. I don't want to start in a blaze and end with nothing. Come on, I don't know about the rest of you, but I, we need the fire in us, yes. But we need to make sure we got enough to make it to the end. No man, no man that puts his hand to the plow and looks back is worthy. No man starts a project without going through the deduction of whether he's gonna finish. Jesus is talking about finishing. And I believe the Lord is coming and I wanna finish my race. Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished. I want to finish. The difference between those who do not have enough and those who did. What is it? What's the difference between those who don't have enough and those who do? You know what? Think about it a minute. Here they are all gathered. They're waiting for this bridegroom to come. And they're waiting so long that they... I understand this. I'm getting a little older. If I get still for about two minutes, if I get in the vehicle and somebody else is driving, I don't need a sound machine. I don't need any pills. I'm telling you right now, I can sleep with the best of them. Just right out. All of a sudden, the seat starts going back. My kids and my wife start smiling like, yep, we know what he's fixing to do. Absolutely. I'm going to sleep. How many can sleep now better? Than, well, I don't know. It's not so much better. It's just more often. You know the difference between those who had enough and those who did not? 
because time went on and they got comfortable and they began to relax and all of them went to sleep. You know what? The diff- You say, oh, those that had enough had something in them. Those that didn't have enough had... No, you know what the difference was? You know what made the difference? It was time. Time. If the Lord had come quick, they would have all had oil. The difference was it just kept going going and time made the difference I thought about that I started living for God I had a lot of zeal I had a lot of fire time tests all of us I've watched people begin the race in a flurry and not ever make it to the finish line because of time Something popped up. Hey, I want you to know you're not getting any younger and if you want God to answer your prayer for health, you better be ready to deal with the consequences of getting old. I mean, I had somebody look at family member look at me and say, you know, I just didn't know I would get old. Well, my God, you've been praying for healing for the Lord to keep you and bless you and what'd you think? He's going to keep you 21 the rest of your life? No, if you want God to heal you, then you better be ready to get old. And you better be ready to spend some time. And if that's the case, you better be ready when you don't have energy to be faithful. You better be ready when your body's hurting to be faithful. No, you're not hearing me. And as time goes on, you got to make up your mind. I had a lot of oil back then, but I want a lot of oil right now. Oh, come on, folks. I don't want time to rob me of what I have in Jesus. Clap your hands under the Lord. Oh, amen. The Bible says he delayed his return, and that was the difference. They both had oil, yet because the master was so long in returning, some did not have enough. And if we had known it was going to be this long, we'd have brought more. Hello. Let me say this to you, church. The greatest test of faithfulness is time. Time. We all begin things, we start ministries, we get involved in stuff and we think, man, this is awesome. But as time goes on, uh uh-oh. See, the difference between the wise and the foolish was time. Time. Time took its toll on the amount of oil those virgins had. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? I want to tell you what, it's, it's going to be a challenge to be faithful all the way to the end. It's going to be a challenge to watch all the way to the end. I'm not talking about half the way to the end. I'm talking about all the way. I cannot describe for you the things that are going to test the oil in your life. I cannot lay out for you the things that are going to try to encourage you to quit. But I will tell you, Jesus said, you're going to have to be watchful. And if you don't watch, you're going to miss it. You've got to be faithful all the way to the end. Somebody say amen. I was sitting in uh, uh, Branson. We, my father-in-law, my father-in-law wanted us all to go to Branson for Christmas, so we all went to Branson. And they said, "Well, we want to go see the Sight and Sound Theater. We want to." And right now, Samson is at the. How many been to the Sight and Sound Theater? You've seen Samson or Jonah, and uh, Samson was. Uh, they were uh, presenting Samson, so I went. You know, I preached on Samson many times, and you know, as I sat in this in this environment, I began to I began to feel certain things, and know, and I, you know, everybody's sitting there for different reasons. It's a great production, whatever. But uh, you know, the, when the preacher goes over and looks at the at Noah's Ark, he's just not looking at Noah's Ark like everybody else is. Something's, Something's burning in him. And I'm sitting in Samson and something's burning in me. And I, I start all through this play. They're talking about his hair and not eating grapes. And his hair and not eating grapes. And his hair and not eating grapes. And no razor on his hair and not eating grapes. What's the big deal about his hair and not eating grapes? What brings power to the vow Samson made? 
What brings power to the vow that God had asked him to make? Don't cut your hair and don't drink any strong drink. What is it that brings power to that? Because to anybody else, it's just hair. To everybody else, it's just grapes. Faithfulness brings power to the vow. That, that you say, well, I just, well, that was important then, but it's not, a, no, faithfulness brings power. It's hair, yeah, g- give it or take it. It comes and goes. But when you make a vow, the power behind it is faithfulness. I'm gonna stick with it. I'm not turning back. I'm not gonna quit watching because the power of my vow is not in the vow. It's in my faithfulness to it. Think about it. Think about people that felt very deeply about modesty and then they go to saying, what's the big deal? Well, you know what? What is the big deal? The big deal is, can you be faithful to a vow? How many people in Israel's time when Samson was ruling and judging over Israel, how many men went to the barber? How many got their hair cut? Didn't make any difference, but to Samson it did. You know why? Because he made a vow. Why is Jephthah mentioned with the heroes of Hebrews? He's not a hero. He's a child murderer. Jephthah, think about him. He comes home from a battle and he says, God, I'm so thankful that the first thing that comes out of my house, I'm gonna offer it as a burnt offering to you. And guess who came out? His daughter. Oh, I know preachers want to stay away from that because you don't preach that now. Just stay. We don't, we don't believe in that. We don't even know why it's in the Bible. I think it's in the Bible because the Lord wants to show us that the vow means nothing unless you're willing to be faithful to it. I want to tell you, thank God for a Sunday school teacher who's young when she starts and she's in the nursing home when she quits. No, you're not hearing me. Thank God for people that'll say, you know what, I'm gonna get in the choir and I'm gonna sing because God's been good to me. And I know it gets boring Sunday after, not not because of Tracy or anybody else, but I know, I know, I know every Sunday coming to church and doing the same old thing, cooking breakfast, it's not special to anything else other than you made a vow. You said... There's no power in it unless you're faithful to it. Come on, this building is nothing. It's just a gymnasium. We play basketball in here and there's nothing to it unless you're faithful to it. What brings power here is our faith. What brings the presence of God here is our faith. Come on, lift your hands and worship the Lord right now. Jesus, Jesus. Oh, come on, lift up your voice and just say, Lord, thank you for touching me. I'm hurrying. The Lord, the lady's coming. Time, time test faithfulness. I don't feel like doing this anymore. I'm tired of this. I'm sick of this. I got better things to do. I know I started in a flurry, but I'm. You know what the Lord said? It's better to not make a vow. The power's in the faithfulness. When I, bro, brother B, when I say, Lord, I've lived my life foolish, and from this day forward, every morning when I get up. The first hour is going to be with you, God. Is there any power in just that? No. It's just words that I said. The power comes when I do what I said I'd do. And the Lord meets me there because I'm faithful. I mean, I'm just telling you, I get bored with my own preaching. power of it is 
being faithful to the end. It's, I preached it at Christmas time. It's like Simeon and, and Anna standing in the temple. Thank God for some elders that are still there when everybody else has thought, it's over, I'm done. I've been there long enough. Matthew 25 and 5, and I hurry. Even just to give you my title, I hurry. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered. Everybody say they all slumbered. Everybody say they all slept. There is a certain unreadiness. I'm going to tell you something. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened ten virgins. I'm going to tell you something. When the Lord comes back, there will be a certain unreadiness found in everybody in the church. Jesus said it. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be like ten virgins. And they all slept. They all went into the room saying, we're going to wait and watch for the bridegroom. But they all slept. Fact of the matter is, on every one of these chairs today where a person sits, there's a degree of unreadiness right now. Oh, I know. You say, no, I talked in tongues in 1942. Yeah. You're right. And it's possible as time goes on for a degree of unreadiness to enter your heart. Are you sinful? Oh, no, no. But it could be the cares of this life. It could be not giving everything, not putting your whole... It it can be all kind of things. I know in your head you're starting to have, you had a problem with you say, well, are you saying everybody in here is lost to some degree? No, I'm saying that we all have a degree of unreadiness. Let me ask you something. If the Lord came right now, what unfinished business would you feel bad about leaving? Let me ask you something else. All that stuff you spend your time and energy on, how important would that be if we knew in five minutes the Lord was coming back? Lynn, who's going to feed your horses then? Ah, they're on their own. <laughs> who's going to mow your grass? Then? You know what? We all say, oh, it won't matter then. Well, wait a minute. Right now, we're in a degree of unreadiness when those things are more important. They all slept. Everybody say they all slept. I'm hurrying. Lord, help me. My kids are texting me, wondering if I'm done preaching. They, No, they're not. I don't think that's what they want. I'm not sure what they want, but I'm ignoring them. I'm not going to get distracted in this hour. I'm too close to the end to not be faithful. I'm not even going to read that. I'm going to finish this sermon. The good Lord willing. To sleep. Tell me why you'd go to sleep. How many have a problem going to sleep? Some, you know, for me, if you're going to go to sleep, you need a, a certain degree of peace. Not so much quiet. How many can sleep through a tornado? Or you know somebody can sleep. Yeah, it's not so much quiet. It's, there's got to be a, a point of relaxation. And these had all done, the, they had done all they could do to meet the bridegroom. They had their lamps. They were waiting. They were holy. They were righteous. Now they are calm and secure and they await for his return. And guess what happens? They get so calm. Kind of like some of you are battling with right now in this service. Let me ask you something. Had those wise virgins, had anybody, any of the ten, had any of the ten stayed awake? Now, Archer, you've got an inquiring mind. You've got a sharp one. Listen, if anybody in that room had stayed awake, what would they have noticed? What was the problem with the five foolish? Their lamps started going out. If anybody had stayed awake, anybody, foolish or wise, they would have noticed the light's dying, the light's dimming. 
Oh God, raise up some folks in this church that'll say, I'm gonna stay awake even if it's for somebody else. Not for myself only, but somebody's light may be going out and I'm gonna stay awake so that I can shake them and say, hey, your lamp's going out. Don't let it die. Oh, come on, saints, I'm preaching to all of us, those that are not ready and those that should be. Somebody ought to stay awake on this job. Oh, come on, clap your hands unto the Lord. Surely, surely someone would have warned the five. Hey, hey, I noticed something. Your, your lamp's going out. Wake up. Wake, oh, no, nobody said anything. You know why? Because all of them were asleep. And then verse 6, and at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Now in First Thessalonians it says that the Lord shall descend with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And that trump is going to wake the dead in Christ and they're going to rise. And we who are alive are going to meet them in the air. And we're going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. That's going to happen. But this is not what this passage is talking about. This passage says, wake up. He's coming. This is not the trump that wakes the dead. This is the cry that comes to those who are desiring to be ready. The Lord's coming. It's time to trim your lamps. Notice the event that awakens is a cry. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. cometh. And notice what happens next. Verse 7, Matthew 25, 7. Then all of those virgins arose. I want to tell you, there's going to be a time in this church... Even in all of us, there's a degree of unreadiness. There's going to be a moment happen where all of those that are wanting his return and wanting to be ready, they're all going to wake up. What's it going to take? Well, let me just tell you from someone who knows because I remember the day. I remember September the 11th, 2001. I remember what happened after that. I remember for about two months or three, we were in the most religious, godly, God-fearing, praying nation that ever existed. Yeah, I don't know what it is that's going to awaken the ten virgins, but something's going to wake all of them up, every one of them. They're going to say, whoa, man, I, I got, man, I got to get, I've been calm, I've been kind of laid back, what? oh, what? Then they're going to notice something. Five of them are going to notice, ha, I still got my oil. And five of them are going to say, you know what? While I was relaxed, I ran out of oil. Verses seven and eight, then all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us of your oil for our lamps are gone out. I want to tell you what I'm preaching today. The title of my sermon is this. You cannot borrow what must be bought. I can't transfer faithfulness to you. I can't get up here and say, come on folks, don't get distracted. I got to be faithful for myself. You can't borrow what somebody else has for yourself. You got to buy it for yourself. A cry erupts. Everybody begins to prepare. Everybody searches their lives. Self-deception is no longer a possibility. All these virgins are now completely aware. They've got all their senses and they start examining themselves. And in that moment of self-examination, the foolish realize that their lamps are out. The fire is dimmed and you can't borrow that got to get it for yourself. Young people, you can't borrow your parents' faith. You can't borrow mom and dad's fire. You got to get some fire for yourself. Oh, I wish somebody was hearing what I was saying. I hurry to a close. There are some things that are so divine they cannot be communicated man to man. I wish I could give people the Holy Ghost. 
I wish people could be born again just automatically if they talked to me. But, but you know what? There are some things that are so spiritual. They don't transfer man to man or woman to woman. You have to have it for yourself. There are many things that can be shared. Share that on Facebook. Share that on Instagram. Tweet that. But there are some things, I don't care how powerful they are, they cannot be shared person to person. Oh, you can come up with your nice little saying and share it. And all your friends like it. But you can't share your faith with somebody, really. You can tell them about it, but you can't give them a portion of yours. You can't borrow somebody's faith. You can't borrow somebody's salvation. You can't borrow somebody's diligence. You can't, can't, I wish I could can it. I wish I could get in some of these faithful saints and get what they have in the regard to vigilance and faithfulness. I wish I could put it in a can and send it home with all of you today. But I can't. You got to get it for yourself. Some battles have to be won personally. Some things have to be bought. Some things have to be grasped. And Jesus said, I want to tell you what the kingdom's like. A man who finds a pearl in a field and says, that pearl's so important, I'm going to buy the field. Help me out now. It doesn't say the field was full of pearls. No, there was one pearl in there. I don't know how big the field was, but this man said, Isaac, this man said, that pearl is so important. I'm going to buy the field that it's in. Now, how many of you ever bought a field, a piece of ground? You were so happy to buy it, but you didn't know what it was going to do to you, did you? You didn't know how much work that field was going to be. You know what? You buy a field and leave it alone for 20 years, you got a mess. Yeah. A field means work. But you know what? There's a pearl in that field. And I'll put up with pulling the vines out. I'll pull up with mowing every week. I'll pull up, I'll put up with jerk, jerking out all the all the all the briars and the brambles. I'll do what I gotta do to keep it from washing and keep it from eroding over here and, and push the dirt over there. And I'm gonna take this out and put this over there and build a retainer. Yeah, I'll take the work of the field because I know there's a pearl there. And oh God, give us some saints that would say, preacher, I'm just not here for the precious stuff. No, I'll take the field with it. And I want you to know where the field is. The field's in Salem. The field is the world. And there is a precious pearl in this field. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. I got to win that. Can't borrow it. Verse 9, but the wise answered and said, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell, listen, and buy for yourselves. You can't borrow what must be bought. Go now. They were directed to go to those who sell. They were needing the oil. That's the inward, the spiritual. Listen. Where are those who sell this oil? If Jesus said that the five wise told the five foolish, go find somebody that's selling oil, who's selling that oil? Make no mistake about it, whoever's selling it didn't get it sold quick enough for them to get it get back, right? You know what I do know this that if I'm a child of God Peter tells me that if I do sin I have a covenant with God that he's faithful to forgive me 
that the moment I say, Father, I've sinned, I'm no worthy, no more worthy to be your son. Man, the Father says, hey, you're forgiven. How much time does that take? Two seconds. I mean, this is the hope of every person who knows a backslider. That when they have that wreck and they're laying on their back in the hospital and they used to know God, our greatest hope is that in that moment they would say, Father, forgive me. You know what I know? Their salvation in that last hour is just as sure as mine. I know that. So this is not that. This is not that. It can't be that. Because Jesus said, that those five wise said to the five foolish, go buy oil from those that sell. And you know what they did? They went out to get it. And before they got back, before they got back, the bridegroom came. So who is this that sells this oil? I'm going to tell you something, friend. Salvation is one thing. Living for God, being faithful. They were directed to go by. Where are those channels? Where, who sells those gifts? The Bible tells us the word of God is very important. That prayer and church attendance is very important. And you know what? There's not enough time to make up unfaithful areas. No, if faithfulness is the power to the vow, then at the last moment when the Lord's coming back, I cannot go back and be faithful over stuff that time will not allow me. Time will not allow me now to drive a bus to pick up people in that field. I cannot do it. It's impossible. I can't miss church four, three Sundays out of a month. And when the cry comes, behold, the bridegroom comes, I cannot go by faithfulness in that moment. Can, can I be forgiven? Absolutely. But there are some things that I cannot get at the last moment. No. See, this is the problem here. It's in our head, we're Holy Ghost feel born again. You think that if you mess up in the last second, you're just going to slip in. Well, I want to tell you something. The Bible says that the Lord is going to say something to you. If you're ready, and when He comes, He's going to say something to you. And you probably know what it's going to be. You know what it is? Well done. What? Thou good. No, you didn't have time in the last two months to now be faithful. You got to be faithful over time. For God to say you were faithful, yeah, good. You know what? You can't purchase goodness from somebody. You can't purchase faithfulness. And the Lord said, I want you to be in church. Forsake not the assembly. Oh, Lord, give me a chance. I'll go redo. No, this is not about Notice now, we're not talking about salvation. These people are saved. We're talking about the recovery of what they should have been faithful in. I want to do more than just come sit on a pew, God. I want to be faithful in worship. You know what? Every service that you hurt too much to praise God in, you've already lost that service. You're not going to buy it back. You've already lost it. Every service that you felt, I should go to the altar, and you didn't, you can't get that back. You're losing something that you'll never get back. Go buy from those who sell that stuff. And you know what? You can't produce faithfulness overnight. So today would be a good day to say, you know what? I'm going to get some more oil today. I'm going to make sure I commit myself to being watchful. Oh, come on, lift your hands right now. Let's, let's love the Lord for a moment. I, I'm closing. I'm done. Above all else, Lord, I want to be saved. Look, look, and I close. Matthew 25 and 10. And while they went to buy, 
You can't borrow what must be purchased. But make up your mind, Saint. Listen, you can't buy it at the last minute either. There's some things you can't buy in the 11th hour. Is everybody okay? Now, I know that the worker that started in the 11th hour gets the same wages as the one that works all day. There's some things like the oil, like faithfulness. Can't buy that in the 11th hour. Look at this. While they went to buy, the bridegroom came and they were ready. Everybody say ready. They went into him to the marriage and the door was shut. This door right now is open. He that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. But I want to tell you right now, there's coming a day when that door is going to shut. And I want you to notice who is on the outside of the door. Wait. Ten virgins who went into a room and said, we're waiting for our Lord's return. Five of them were now outside the door. I want you to think about Sodom. Think about Gomorrah. When the angels came to Lot's house and they slammed the door shut and they yanked Lot inside and slammed the door shut, the Bible tells us who was outside that door. Think about these five foolish virgins who were now outside the door. You don't belong there. You don't belong there. You're going so different in your direction. But now, in the process of time, you've lost your oil. You don't belong outside with the sinner and the ungodly, the worst of society. No, you don't belong there. But that's where you are. This is why it's important, saint of God, to be watchful. This is why new converts, somebody just come to the Lord, young people, it's very important to be faithful. This observance has been made by some, and I, I want to close with it. There are those in the area of salvation who have an abundant entrance into the kingdom. They're abundantly saved. But there are also some that are saved just as shipwrecked sailors are saved. (laughs) With difficulty they reach the shore. But on the side of the lost, there are those who hurry down the broad way of destruction. They could care less about God, church, and anything else. They're headed to destruction and they know it. And as we are painfully made aware of in this text, that the unsaved are not just those who are godless and could care less about God. There are also those who are not far from the kingdom. You're right there. Yet, they miss it in the end. I don't want to miss it. So I close with Matthew 25, 13. Watch therefore, watch therefore. For this reason, watch. For you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man comes. The only way to be ready on that day It's to be ready on every day. No, you don't wait till the day before and then all of a sudden you're faithful. You don't jump up two weeks before and say, oh, I'm the saint of God that's doing everything God. No, you got to do that every day. Every day. You know, those things that should be a work of a lifetime. They cannot be done in a split second. And I believe the Lord wants us who know, us ten virgins sitting in this room who know that the Lord's coming, who know we need to be faithful. I believe He wants us to do what we know to do. Anybody believe that today? I want you to stand today. I want you to reach over and pray for somebody. I feel that the Lord's speaking to to those that need Him, those that are not saved. I think He's also speaking to saints of God today who need a recommitment, a refiring. Somebody, your faith has grown cold and 
God speaking to you today. Maybe it, we're not long and that cry is going to come forth. The bridegroom comes. Get ready. Watch. Be diligent. Don't give up. Don't quit now. Keep praying. Keep singing. Keep believing. Keep teaching. Keep reaching. Keep driving. Keep doing what you're doing. Don't, don't give up in well doing. Don't, don't be weary in it. For in due season you shall reap. Come on. Pray for somebody beside you. God, give my, my friend strength today. God, don't let the oil go out and them not even be aware of it. Keep one of us awake, oh God. Help one of us to wake up so we can know what hour we're in, God. Oh, in the name of Jesus. I'm opening the altar and this is for everybody. It don't matter how old or young you are. But if you feel like preacher, I want to be ready. I want to make sure I'm faithful. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Come on, right now the altar's open. What else? What else is there than just being faithful to what God wants you to do and be what God wants you to be. Come on. I know you get weary. I know you may get bored. Come on, living for God is not like your new game system. No, sometimes you just got to keep on keeping on.